0: Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another unbelievably intriguing episode from high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns. In beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends. So we begin our holiday season. Coming up pretty soon, we've got a whole bunch of holidays all stacked together. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and then we have Christmas, and of course, New Year's. And after New Year's, of course, it's Valentine's Day that's right around the corner. Yes, my friends, we're now inundated with holidays. I suppose you could say it started over a month ago when all of the Christmas stuff came out way before Halloween. All the stores began stocking their shelves with all things green and red and sparkly, with bells and bulbs and all sorts of things that just make us want to spend money. Holidays, though, it would seem, have a tendency, though, to make us take stock of what we already have and be thankful for what it is that we've been given. Indeed, tomorrow, most of us are going to gather around the dining room table with our friends and family and celebrate the things that we're thankful for. And then, before the roaster pan is scrubbed spotless, we rush with unbridled passion to the nearest computer, tablet, or telephone containing the advertisement for the newest and largest screen that'll again tell us what we need to spend our money on. We've been lulled into the thinking that we need to save money buying things for a holiday that now, evidently, has more to do with consumerism than it does with gratitude. The very next holiday, Christmas, we all put up a pine tree, and then we proceed to wrap packages and pack so many of them around the base of that tree that there's no longer any need for a stand to keep that member of the Spruce family upright. And we surround the birth of Jesus with myth and pomp and circumstance leading us to the erroneous belief that it is more about what we receive than what we give. The irony being, of course, that the gift we ought to be celebrating Christmas morning is not the one that we can hold in our hands, but rather the gift that defines everything materialism is not. And then we proceed directly to New Year's Day, where all of us proclaim with resolutions, promises, and pacts that we're going to do things different this time around. And what do we do, first chance we get? We swear in the new politicians, make them proclaim with an oath under God that they'll do something that they had no intention of completing. And when we hold their feet to the fire that still glows so brightly from the evergreen of holidays past, they respond with sanctimonious indignation that we actually believed any of the advertisements to begin with. So before we even get started, We should all decide to do things different this time around. And we can start with the gratitude that tomorrow was originally about. And we'll do that in just a minute. But first, some completely outrageous (laughs) self-aggrandizement. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by Morton Buildings. If you're in the market for an outbuilding or a garage or a barn or a roping arena or maybe a giant warehouse then you should give Nick and Jesse a call at Morton Buildings, 307-674-2532. These guys are the experts in metal building construction. They've been doing it longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't matter what type of metal structure you've been thinking about. Give Nick and Jesse a call. Again, 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. Of the many blessings we have as Americans, we should never forget the Second Amendment. Our right to keep and bear arms and protect ourselves, regardless of what any redcoat has to say about it. You'd think that they would have figured that out the first go around. Because many of them haven't, I suggest you buy more guns. And there's no better place to purchase your next firearm than Gun Runner auctions. They're one of the nation's leading online auction houses, and they're celebrating their 24th year. They're based out of Cody, and it doesn't really matter what type of firearm that you've been thinking about, or maybe you don't even know that you're thinking about a new gun. Just check out GunRunnerAuctions.com, and I'm sure you'll find something that you didn't even know you wanted. The Gun of the Week is lot number 406. It's a Colt Combat Commander 45. It's in great condition with a shorter 4-inch barrel and a round hammer for concealed carry. The bore is excellent on it, and the action is super tight. It's been fitted with adjustable rear sights, and the front sight is missing just the insert. It's customized nicely with a trigger and the Pock Signature Series wraparound checkered soft rubber grips. If you've been looking for a new concealed carry gun, this one is perfect for it. It's lot number 406 at GunRunnerAuctions.com. And now, back to the program. Of the many things we should not be so thankful for are politicians. Yesterday, our legislature pushed Medicaid expansion through committee for the eighth time. That's what I said. Eight times. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Leading the charge was none other than our beloved Nancy Case. This guy is obsessed. It doesn't matter how many times Wyoming citizens tell him no, he continues to say stupid stuff like this. This is a good deal for Wyoming. It could be a good deal. We can't even start to figure it out until we pass this bill. Yeah, I know. That one's an oldie but a goodie. But check out what he said yesterday. I did have to edit this one a little bit because Nancy drones on about some irrelevant crap right in the middle of his statement about Medicaid expansion. Anyhow, check it out. Man, we need to do this. And you know, there's a torturous path ahead through the legislature, but this will send a big statement out there. Let's just get this done. The people of Wyoming support this. The polling supports it. Republicans support it. I'm ready. No. Far-left activists support Medicaid expansion. And the polling? The only poll that shows support for Medicaid expansion is one that is inherently flawed and entirely biased, which, by the way, Nancy Case won't discuss the details of the poll because he knows that it's flawed. And Republicans? The Democrats that can't spell the redcoats do support Medicaid expansion. Republicans don't. Because support for Medicaid expansion violates just about every single plank of the Republican Party platform. You know, the one that all of these redcoats say that they support 80% of? Yeah, that one. And why do we have to do this? Well, he said it earlier. They're both pretty socialist programs. A lot of things are socialistic to make our society better. Oh, I totally get it. We have to bankrupt the state because you, Nancy Case, say it's going to make the state better. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So just to remind you of where we're at with this whole Medicaid expansion deal, this is the exact same bill that was defeated in the legislature earlier this year. Here's Redcoat Steve Harshman telling you that. Uh, And a lot of folks are here for Medicaid expansion as our next topic. Uh, I'll just preface that it's the exact same bill that this committee passed last year. Yeah, the exact same bill that Majority Floor Leader Albert Somers did not even bring up for debate on the floor because he knows it would be defeated. Yeah, so anyway, we're going to have a lot more about Medicaid expansion in the coming days. Soon, we're gonna have a Medicaid expansion round table just like we had two years ago. It's going to be a great panel. Hopefully it turns out to be the same folks that we had at our last Medicaid expansion roundtable two years ago. Representative Mark Jennings, Representative John Baer, Representative Chip Nyman, and soon to be Representative Ken Pendergraft. So that's coming up soon. This being Thanksgiving Eve, We need to take a break from all of these politicians who are doing their dead-level best to mislead us on a whole host of different things. So, I just wanted to take a few minutes and tell you about all of the things that I'm thankful for. I'm very thankful for you. Without you, this program would not exist. Thank you very much for your support and for listening to each and every program. And if you're not listening to each and every program, you should be. But thank you. Thank you very much. I'm also very thankful for all of the generous sponsors of Cowboy State Politics. Morton Buildings, Gunrunner Auctions, The Wing It Food Truck, New Trend Hats, 307 Cowboy Country and Fabrication, and the Buffalo Wool Company. Thank you very much for supporting me and this program. I mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast that a lot of our holidays have turned into nothing more than consumerism. Think about it. In October, the stores start rolling out all of the Christmas stuff onto their shelves. In October, no less. That's quite an insult to Thanksgiving, if you ask me. And even Thanksgiving. After we wake up from our turkey coma, the very first thing we do is see which stores we're going to spend all of our hard-earned cash at. And Thanksgiving itself. We were all probably told that a bunch of hapless religious objectors boarded a rickety boat for the New World... And when they stepped off the boat at Plymouth Rock, they all would have starved had it not been for the generosity of the Indians. Because they were all too dumb to know how to farm or to fish or to how to even take care of themselves. You know, make coats or clothing or anything like that. And then when they had learned everything that the Indians had to teach them, they had this gigantic feast and they said thanks to everything that had been done for them. Before I go any further, I just want to clear up one little detail. My use of the word Indian. Now, before I'm attacked on social media, allow me to explain. The current vernacular would dictate that I use the term Native American. But I contend that the term Indian is no less derogatory than is Native American. Of course, America was named for the Italian explorer Amerigo Vespucci. Aha! So all of us Americans are actually named after an Italian. An Italian explorer no less. And the term native, how many times has that been used in a disparaging context? Where the term Indians came around is that Christopher Columbus thought that he had landed in India. And so he referred to the people that he met when he landed as Indians. So six of one, half a dozen the other. What I'm getting at is in order to have an intelligent conversation, you have to put your woke crap away. It doesn't help further the conversation in any way, shape, or form, and frankly, it's pretty stupid. So, in an attempt to be as historically accurate as I could possibly be, we're just going to stick with the historical context and leave all of you woke warriors to go home to your safe space. So, Thanksgiving. What very nearly killed the pilgrims was not their ignorance of farming or fishing or making their own clothes, but their ignorance of economics. Allow me to explain. The Mayflower Compact, which was the agreement that all of the Pilgrims signed to live in the Plymouth Colony and to set up their society, did a couple of things. First of all, it said that the colonists would remain loyal subjects to King James, despite their need for self-governance. That the colonists would create and enact laws, ordinances, acts, constitutions, and offices for the good of the colony and abide by those laws. It also said that the colonists would create one society and work together to further it, and the colonists would live in accordance with the Christian faith. Sounds pretty rosy, doesn't it? Everybody's working together for the common good. Here's where things get a little bit muddy. To give you an example, an article on History.com says the following, and I quote, it has been argued that the Mayflower Compact's role in cementing the colonists' dedication to each other and their mission was critical to their endurance that first winter. John Carver survived the hard winter of 1620, but died in April of 1621, and the colonists chose William Bradford to replace him. Under his leadership, the Plymouth Colony started to thrive. End quote. Now hold on just a second. Why did the colony start to thrive under William Bradford? Hmm, nothing on history.com. In fact, they would lead you to believe that nothing changed, that they just changed leadership. John Carver croaked and then William Bradford took over. But that's not the real story at all. One of the great traditions in radio around Thanksgiving is to tell the real story of Thanksgiving. And it was started by radio legend Paul Harvey. Now, of course, he wouldn't tell the whole thing on his program because his program only lasted around four or five minutes. But he'd just give you little snippets here and there. And then when Rush Limbaugh started his program, his was long enough that he could give you the whole thing. And so, on this Thanksgiving, in honor of Paul Harvey and Rush Limbaugh, I give you the real story of Thanksgiving. So here's what happened. A group of separatists left England for Holland, and they stayed there for about 11 years and set up their own community. And then they decided, about 40 of them decided, that they were going to make the journey to the New World. And they'd certainly face hardships when they got there, uh, but they could live and worship God according to the dictates of their own consciences. You see, the folks that they met in Holland were not really as tolerant as the pilgrims first thought. So about 40 of them decided to go to the New World. The journey to the New World was not a fun one, my friends. It was cold, nasty, and a whole bunch of them died. But when they landed in New England in November, they found, according to Bradford's own journal, a cold, barren, desolate wilderness. Quote, There were no friends to greet them. There were no inns where they could refresh themselves. There was nothing. And the sacrifice that they made for freedom was just the beginning. During that first winter, half the pilgrims, including William Bradford's wife, died of either starvation, sickness, or exposure. When spring finally came, Indians taught the settlers how to plant corn, fish, and cod, and skin beavers for coats. Life improved for the pilgrims, but they didn't prosper. This is important to understand because this is where American school history lessons often end. Thanksgiving is actually explained in some of our classrooms as a holiday for which the pilgrims gave thanks to the Indians for saving their lives rather than as a devout expression of gratitude grounded in the tradition of both the Old and the New Testaments. Here's the part that almost every textbook leaves out because the textbooks are written by the teachers' union, which are mostly liberal. The original contract the pilgrims had entered into with their merchant sponsors in london called for everything they produced to go into a common store and each member of the community was entitled to one common share all of the land they cre- they cleared and the houses they built belonged to the community as well it was a socialist commune well before socialism had ever been written about by Karl Marx. What William Bradford wrote about the socialist experiment that they were embarking on should be in every single child's school history book. If it were, we might be able to prevent some needless suffering that socialism always creates. Listen close. Here is what William Bradford wrote. Quote, the experience that was had in this common course and condition tried sundry years, that by taking away property and bringing community into a commonwealth would make them happy and flourishing, as if they were wiser than God. For this community, so far as it was, was found to breed much confusion and discontent and retard much employment that would have been to their benefit and comfort. For young men that were most able and fit for labor and service did repine that they should spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children without any recompense. That was thought injustice. Do you hear what he's saying? The Pilgrims found out that people could not be expected to do their best work without incentive. So what did Bradford's community try next? They unharnessed the power of the good old free enterprise by invoking an ungirding capitalist principle for, of private property. Every family was assigned its own piece of land to work and permitted to market its own crops and products. And what was the result? Again, from William Bradford's journal. Quote, this had very good success, for it made all hands industrious. So as much more corn was planted than otherwise would have been. So the truth is, the same thing happened to them that happens every time socialism is tried that you have some people that will work and some people that won't and so after a little bit the people that actually did want to work well they're going to work less and then everybody slips further and further into poverty so had william bradford not made the change to a capitalist free market enterprise the plymouth colony would have never survived Pretty soon, they would have run out of other people's food to eat. After Bradford ditched the whole idea of socialism, in no time, the Pilgrims found that they had way more food than they could eat themselves, and so they set up trading posts and exchanged goods with the Indians. The profits allowed them to pay off their debts to the merchants in London, and the success and prosperity of the Plymouth settlement attracted more Europeans and began what came to be known as the Great Puritan Migration. So now that we've filled in the gaps that history.com omitted, the rest of the story is largely true. There was a giant feast and the Indians were invited to it and everybody ate themselves into a turkey coma. So the truth is, Thanksgiving really is a celebration of the free market over that of a dumb socialist commune. Ah, you gotta love free market economics. Well, that'll do it for this Thanksgiving edition of the program. Have an awesome Thanksgiving with your friends and family, and be thankful for the gifts that God has given you. I know that he's given me a lot. From the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.